Success. Hello. <laughs> there we go. Exactly four years ago to the day, January 2nd, 2018, my family got some amazing news. We got the news that we had been given a court date in Ethiopia and that we were going to be able to go to Ethiopia and complete our adoption of our daughter, Antu. And that adoption process was initiated in October of 2015. So we had been waiting over two years. And less than two weeks later, we were on a plane with our four children and many suitcases, and we were there to become a family of seven. Our trip was incredible. It was one of the most amazing things that we have done as a family. And in many ways, it went perfectly. I couldn't believe that after just about 10 days of planning, a three-week trip went off really without any major disasters. There were, however, a lot of surprises. One of the unexpected surprises of our trip has to do with Epiphany. So Ethiopia uses a different calendar than we do. They don't use the Gregorian calendar. They use their own calendar that's been around longer than the Gregorian calendar. And in Ethiopia, Christmas falls on January 6th. And Epiphany, which for us we celebrate in the Gregorian calendar, we celebrate on January 6th, but that's Christmas in Ethiopia. So Epiphany in Ethiopia is on January 19th, which means that Epiphany fell right in the middle of our trip in 2018. So one of the surprises of our time in Ethiopia is that on the same day that we were trying to travel 13 hours from a tiny town of Gimbi all the way back to the capital city of Addis Ababa, that was the same day that Ethiopia was celebrating Epiphany. They call it Timkit. And Timkit is celebrated with this huge dance party slash parade procession that goes from the church all the way through the main drag of the town down to whatever river is nearest. And of course, we're trying to travel 13 hours. We have to go through all these little towns. So I have a picture that I just want to show you what it looked like. That's the street we needed to get down. <laughs> um, and that happened over and over. It's almost like if you were leaving from Vancouver and you were trying to get down to the Bay Area and every in Bellingham and Seattle and Portland, there was a parade every time you got there, like the Torchlight Parade, but there's only Fourth Avenue. That's the only street you can go down. <clears throat> go down. So that's what we got to every time we passed through a town. So during Timket in Ethiopia in 2018, it became very obvious to us that we were outsiders. We didn't know what was going on. I mean, we knew it was Timket, but we didn't know what all the traditions were about. We didn't know that it was going to take several hours longer than we had anticipated to get where we needed to go. Our text today has some very clear outsiders some folks who don't know the traditions, don't know the context they're walking into. And it has insiders. It has people who know the prophecy off the top of their heads. And it has an in-betweener in Herod, one who's kind of inside and kind of outside. And then right at the center, we have the Holy Family, Jesus and his mother. And we're going to look at these outsiders and insiders, and we're going to watch 
for how God shows up. There's that epiphany word, how God shows up to all of them. Womanist theologian Stephanie Buchanan Crowder defines epiphany as to show up and show out. And in the layers of stories in this short text, let's be on the lookout for how God shows up and how the insiders and the outsiders show out, which is to say, show themselves as they truly are. So the first set of insiders, outsiders that we'll look at are the Magi. There's a lot of debate about who these people really were, where they came from, and what they actually saw in the sky that night. There are incredibly rich and diverse traditions about these travelers. And different parts of the world tend to identify these travelers with themselves or with groups that they're familiar with. You can even visit a cathedral in Cologne, Germany, that claims to have the actual bones of the three magi enshrined in their altarpiece. The reality is that we know more about who the magi weren't than we do about who they were. They were not Jewish, we know that. They were definitely not from Palestine or the surrounding area. When they entered the holy city of Jerusalem, the Magi were outsiders in every sense of the word, religiously, geographically, politically, culturally, and ethnically. And when they show up in this unfamiliar city, they say something that is so shocking to the people that they find there. They say, we are looking for the child who has been born king of the Jews. There are levels of how strange this is. There's a child who has been born king of the Jews. And they go on to say, we, these magi, these outsiders, have seen his star at its rising and we have come to worship him. Something truly miraculous must have taken place. God has shown up in the stars in a way that was intelligible to these outsiders. God, Yahweh, the God of the Jews, the God of the universe, shows up to these outsiders in a way that is not only intelligible, but it's compelling. It's so compelling that they moved. They moved. They picked up and they left on a dangerous journey to an unknown place, bringing all these things of value and beauty. When we leave, a lot of times we lock up our important, valuable stuff. We don't necessarily take it on a dangerous journey with us. So what would it take to motivate that kind of upheaval and risk? Whatever it was that God revealed to them in the stars, it must have been undeniably glorious. God showed up with glory to these outsiders, communicating in a way that they clearly understood innately in kind of their own native language. And they moved. They couldn't help but move to seek more of this glory. Then there's King Herod. King Herod is tricky because he's not really an insider or an outsider. He's an outsider in the sense that he's not ethnically Jewish. He's Edomaean, which means he's from the Edomites. 
But his family, a couple generations before, converted to Judaism, and then they pledged their allegiance to the Roman Empire. So that makes him a perfect candidate to rule on behalf of the Roman Empire over the Jews. So he's an insider in this context because he has access and power. He has access to the Jewish religious authorities. We see that in this text. And he's a king. He has power over the people that he rules. So he, that makes him an insider. But he's an outsider because he's not considered a real Jew. He's on the side of Caesar. He's aligned with the Roman oppressors. So how does God show up to King Herod? God shows up as a threat. God shows up as a threat to King Herod. God shows up in the message that the Magi bring to him of a child who was born King of the Jews. Nothing could be more terrifying to this insecure, narcissistic man. The text says that Herod was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. Can you imagine how scary it must have been to have a king that was so unpredictable and violent that his mood could make a whole city afraid? How scary would that be? And what does Herod do when God shows up with this threatening message? He panics. He schemes, he lies, he manipulates. And then, as we see in the verses that follow after our text, he resorts to unspeakable violence. The good news of Jesus Christ does not sound like good news to people who are trying by whatever means necessary to hang on to power and control. Naturally, we are quite averse to ever identifying ourselves with King Herod, and that's very understandable. And yet, how many of us are not afraid on some level of losing control, losing our power? How many of us have not ever felt insecure and made decisions in a panic to try to fend off disaster? And this message the Magi bring of a child-born king, king of the Jews, that's a disaster for Herod. He's going to keep his throne. He's going to fight for what's his. He's going to go to whatever lengths are necessary, and those lengths are appalling. And yet we do not like to admit how much violence we will tolerate in order to keep what we have. We want low-priced goods to show up at our door mere hours after we press a button on our phones. And our experience of this is completely sanitized because of the way that our society is set up. We don't have to see anything that happens after that. We don't associate it with the violence of workers dying on the job because they are denied sick time. If we are willing to tolerate violence and death for the sake of keeping what we think we're entitled to, then the gospel of Jesus Christ may sound like a threat in our ears. The final group of people that we'll look at this morning are the chief priests and the scribes. 
These are the true insiders when it comes to faith and religious piety and scripture. They were born into the right families in the right place and they made the right choices. They've achieved something that their ancestors and their grandchildren can be proud of. They play an important role in the story here because they're the ones that can answer that where question. Neither Herod nor the Magi know the answer to that. When they ask the religious teachers, the scribes and the chief priests, they know. They know their Bibles. They can quote them. And they do so in a way that helps the Magi find Jesus. They're right, it turns out. All their memorization and all their reciting and studying has paid off. And how does God show up to these chief priests and scribes? Where is their epiphany? God shows up to these insiders in the form of the outsider, the Magi. The Magi come to Jerusalem having received a revelation from God about them, about the Jews, about the religious insiders. They say, where's the child-born king of the Jews? They have information from the outside about the inside. I imagine this would be very difficult to accept if you're a scribe or a chief priest. Why would these people who do not know our culture, who don't know our traditions, they don't even know enough to stay out of King Herod's way? <laughs> How could they have a revelation about God, about the king of the Jews? I think there's an unspoken invitation here from the Magi to the religious insiders, if we look for it. The Magi come to Jerusalem, they get the information they need, they load up their caravans, and they leave for Bethlehem. Our text doesn't say whether any of the chief priests or the scribes or anyone else from Jerusalem, for that matter, decided to tag along, to go with the Magi, to see where the star would take them. I think it would be pretty hard to hear this invitation if you were one of those folks. Yeah, Bethlehem, go ahead, knock yourself out. <laughs> you would have to be open to the idea that God would show up outside your tradition, outside your culture, outside even your religion, which is supposed to be the authoritative place that God shows up. You would have to be willing to risk your reputation and likely your safety to make a journey that might turn out to be a big waste of time and money. We don't know if any of them did this. But I like to imagine that someone did. I like to imagine that someone snuck into the crowd of foreigners that left Jerusalem and went to Bethlehem. I hope someone risked it. I hope someone went with the Magi and were there when the star stopped. Because at that point, our text says that they were overwhelmed with joy. The literal translation is something more like, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. There's a whole bunch of joy words all stacked in a row. This kind of reaction 
indicates an encounter with the glory of God. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They went into the house and they saw Jesus. They saw the child Jesus and his mother Mary. It was him. The star was right. It was the king of the Jews, the savior of the cosmos, the Messiah of God. And this encounter was so powerful that they fell down on their knees and they gave him extravagant gifts. They emptied their treasure chests. The text doesn't mention a party, but I bet there was a party. You don't just give a child gold and then hop on your camel and take off. I bet there was a huge meal. I bet there was dancing and music and laughter. I bet they rejoiced together with exceedingly great joy. And when they left, they were different. They went back different people. People who had seen the glory of God and would never be the same. They traveled home a different way, the Magi, because they learned in a dream that they needed to, but also because they had nothing left to say to a king like Herod. Friends, I hope that we make this kind of journey together. We are, in many ways, a lot like the chief priests and scribes. I know I am. Religious insiders. We've learned a lot about God. We've tried to be faithful, to keep our communities holy in the midst of so much evil and tyranny. God is alive in our traditions. We know this. God is alive in our scriptures. God is alive here among us. Yes. And yet God is also showing up in the outsider. The ones we don't expect. The ones who haven't gone through the proper channels and don't have the right credentials. There is an invitation on the table for us to be like that stowaway I imagined in the caravan, risking everything for the sake of exceedingly great joy. We do have to give up our dreams of control. We have to give up our insider status. Once that stowaway joined the caravan, they were no longer an insider. We have to trust that God is not only leading us, God is also showing up and leading people who are nothing like us. And we can travel together to see what God is up to. A few weeks ago, a group of about 15 or 20 folks from John Knox went on a little neighborhood tour together. And this, this was part of our premise, that we believe God is showing up in our community, not just inside this building, but outside of it. Not just in the parts of our neighborhood where we feel really comfortable, but in the places where we might legitimately be at risk, where we are on the outside in some way. These places are the sites of God's epiphany. Burien, SeaTac, Normandy Park, Des Moines. From the Magi, we learn 
that God's glory shows up in unexpected places, taking us on surprising journeys, and eventually God leads us to places of exceedingly great joy. May we have eyes to see God's glory all around us, and may we have the humility and courage to journey with others toward the great joy that God has for us. Amen.